Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon, where we bring you success stories from business leaders and owners about their triumphs and growth in the Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas community. You'll hear about how Bentonville has been the backdrop for incredible growth, not only for businesses and their employees, but in their personal lives as well. Tune in, subscribe, and enjoy hearing about Bentonville, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast, where we're sharing stories and advice from the leaders sparking the rise of Bentonville, one of the fastest growing and most dynamic cities in the United States, nestled in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas in the heartland of America. Hi, I'm James, and I'm a caffeineaholic. I'm also your host. One of Bentonville's conspirators in maintaining my caffeine habit is our Onyx Coffee Lab on the Bentonville Square. So it's a real honor and a privilege to host Andrea Allen today. Andrea is co-founder of the world-famous Onyx Coffee Lab. She's also a U.S. barista champion and runner-up world champion barista. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so let's get right into it uh, and learn about you. Andrea, what should our Bentonville Beacon audience know about you? So many things, but also nothing. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I grew up in Springdale, so I've been here my whole life. I've never lived anywhere else. I love coffee. I love horses. Uh, I have two daughters, ages eight and four. And beyond just actually loving the beverage of coffee, my main motivation in the industry itself is people everywhere along the supply chain from the farm all the way to the person at the very end drinking a cup of coffee. Every single place involves a human hand. And I love that about the industry. And so I'm into it. Oh, wonderful. That's that's so cool. So how did you, I've got to know about your love for horses. How did you get in the, what do you do uh, in terms to, to sort of stoke that passion? And how did you get involved? I actually was listening to a horse podcast yesterday and they were just talking about how some people are born with this passion for horses. And so that's me. But when I was really young, my mom got a horse because she had wanted to own a horse and ride a horse her whole life. So when she was 40 and I was five, Mm -hmm. she got a horse. And so we started riding horses together and it's kind of been a lifelong passion of mine. That is very cool. Everybody should get a horse at 40. And five. Yeah, I, I'm lucky and grateful. So, yeah. Sure. Well, <laughs> rumor has it that you got started drinking coffee at a pretty young age. How old were you and what got you, you hooked into the coffee <laughs> drinking world and what was your go-to drink at that age? Oh, my gosh. Well, I also was five when I started drinking coffee. I think my life just started when I was five, maybe, but <laughs> now... So I started drinking coffee with my dad. He is a coffee drinker in the mornings and I wanted to be just like him. I still want to be just like him. And so I thought the way to do that is to drink coffee. So I just started drinking coffee with a little bit of flavored creamery in it or creamer in it rather. And so, yeah, I just drank that for a while. Sometimes I would drink black coffee. I kind of learned as a kid that drinking black coffee impressed adults. Mm-hmm. So they they would be like, oh my gosh, are you drinking that plain? And and I didn't really like it, but I was like, yeah, I mean, duh. <laughs> and 
So it kind of was just like for fun and to be part of the community that is coffee. Although I knew nothing about it at the time, but that's kind of how I got started. Nice. It kind of like drinking your first beer if you're drinking black coffee at five. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, I didn't have my first beer at five. So. <laughs> Me neither. It was a bit later, maybe before 21. <laughs> Nobody needs to know that. What's your go-to coffee order now? Black coffee. It's a black cup with black coffee in it. That's all that's in it. <laughs> I love it. You know, at some point you enjoyed coffee enough to become a barista. Was that a job you sought out or one that happened? And, you know, I guess what look, took you to that first barista gig? It was such a sought after job for me. So when I got my driver's license, when I was 16, I started going to our Sega's in Fayetteville and also the Starbucks that was in Barnes and Noble in Fayetteville mm -hmm. at the time. And I really just thought coffee was cool. And I thought coffee shops were cool. They're always like really interesting people there reading books I'd never heard of, having conversations about topics I knew nothing about, artists, musicians, and I think I just thought it was cool. I'm not an artist. I'm not a musician, but I think I just felt like being in that space was mm -hmm. really fun. And so I graduated from high school and I went to the University of Arkansas and I was like, I mean, the only thing I could possibly do for work is go get a job as a barista. So I basically applied to one of the Arcega's locations and then I would just go there mm -hmm. and be like, hey, I put my resume in. Do you want to hire me? And they were like, no. <laughs> but I was really persistent. And I call, I would call like every morning, every other morning, just to check to see if they needed anyone. And finally, one day, one of the baristas was like, hey, I heard that someone is going to leave. Oh, wow. So now is the time. And so I like wrote a big essay about why they should hire me and turned it in. And they hired me. <laughs> that is spectacular. Now that's a way to get a job. Yeah. I mean, being on the other side of it now, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was really obnoxious. But I did it. So sometimes obnoxious is the right way to get there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just know that if you receive that letter from somebody and they call you every day that you really don't have a choice but to hire them now. There, I mean, it really is interesting when someone puts that amount of energy mm -hmm. into into something. I think it is something that probably should at least be examined. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, somewhere along the way, you and your husband begin learning or rather teaching uh, yeah. yourselves about specialty coffee. And maybe you can help me out here. Are there dozens or hundreds or how many types of coffee or coffee beans are there? There's thousands of coffee oh, wow. varieties. Yeah. So there's so many, they cannot be cataloged. There is a whole geneal genealogical tree that traces coffee uh, varieties. And really the consensus is that coffee originated in Ethiopia. Mm. And there are literally just thousands of what are called Ethiopia heirloom varieties because they can't trace them because of how intricate that wow. network is. And so there's, it's, there's a lot out there and it's actually really, really cool kind of thing to study. Cool. That might be my next audio book is finding one on coffee. <laughs> I did find yeah. one on caffeine that I yeah. listened to that was absolutely fascinating. Which about, one is it? Um, I forget the name of it, but yeah. it was really, it was the history of caffeine. It was an okay. audio book. 
Yeah. And it was all about this little molecule that perhaps has had more impact yeah. on the world and our behavior than about anything we've had in front of us. Was it Michael Paul Pollan? That sounds right. Yeah. Paulson. Is something like that. I, yeah, I'm not saying it like correctly, that. but yeah. yeah. Okay. I haven't experienced that, but I've seen some of his other work and it's really fun. Yeah. I think that's who it is. It was really fascinating cool. though. So you'll set out to learn about specialty coffee. Yeah. And I, I have to imagine that getting information on perhaps thousands and many that you <laughs> might not know about and getting yeah, samples yeah. from perhaps importers. Mm -hmm. I mean, how did you navigate that and figure out how to find coffees yeah. to try. Yeah. So backing up just a little bit, we basically were mostly interested in running a business. So I became that coffee shop. I begged them to give me a job at. I became the manager of and worked inside of that company for five or six years. And then mm -hmm. John and I got the opportunity to buy some of those coffee shops. And so we did that in 2009, just on the, like, you know, we agreed to do it and plan to do it in the 08, right in the middle of the 08 crisis, which was wow. kind of intense. But yeah, we, so we jumped head first and we knew literally nothing about coffee. So I knew a lot about uh, making schedules and ordering products and, you know, training team members and things like that. But I really at the time knew nothing about coffee. And part of it is that back in that Back in the old days, this mm -hmm. is in the two, 2009, I already said it, but the amount of information available about coffee in general or even readily available on the internet was really low. Mm -hmm. And so basically we did that for a, a year or so, not knowing much about coffee at all. And then it was my husband, John, that really started to, um, from the financial side, actually start to say, hey, if we were roasting our own coffee and just doing it ourselves, we would save a lot of money by, mm. you know, buying, like investing in the equipment, but then the raw product is much less expensive. And so he started doing that. And when he started doing that, it was like the passion for the industry started to take hold in him. And he just was like, there's this whole other world. This is whole other side of coffee that we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of. And so we kind of started dabbling and roasting. We weren't roasting very much, but yeah, it's wild. It was wild back then because we couldn't get any importers to even like give us samples because we were so small that it was just like, we were just some throwaway account. And there was one trader from Royal New York named Phil. And he sort of was just a kind human and started talking to John about coffee and started sending us samples. And that's kind of like how we got started in oh, roasting. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, this is a, a good example of one person. Yeah. Making a significant difference in your life and your mm -hmm. husband's life, but in many lives we yeah. might, maybe we don't get to come to know Onyx and even have this opportunity to sit down and talk and that had um, Phil from, yeah. what was the name again? It's called Royal New York. Royal New York. Yeah. Had he not taken that opportunity? Yeah, it's really amazing too. Phil is not at Royal New York Newark anymore, but we have a real sense of loyalty to that company. And there, we work with another trader there who's also now a friend named Camillo and we buy a lot of coffee from him and he does a great job, but we are like forever loyal to them and we'll, we'll always buy coffee from them because they actually gave us a chance early on. So that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> so 
you learned all about specialty coffee, so to speak, and, yeah. and upped your game. And um, as I mentioned earlier, you're a U.S. barista champion, 2020. Oh, yeah. yeah. Second place <laughs> in the uh, World Barista Championship. Yes. Congratulations on both of those. Thank you. Amazing. Uh, will you take our audience on the journey of getting into those competitions and preparing for them and winning at the highest level? Oh, yeah, totally. So basically, it started in 2013. And John, my husband, had seen this coffee competition online. And he, um, it was like over a weekend that he was watching it. And he was trying to get me to watch it because mm-hmm. he was like, this is really cool. And I had zero interest in it. I was like, cool, that's great. Sounds sounds fun. Like, you know, I don't really, I wasn't super interested in watching it. Um, and I am super competitive, which is no surprise to anyone that knows me at all that's listening to this. But yeah, he was like trying to get me to to decide to sign up and go do it. And I just was like, I mean, I don't have anything to prove. Like what, I don't need to go to something to show that I know how to make coffee. Like I know how to make coffee. That's that's all I need. And he's like, well, I mean, it's just more about the fact that we're trying to launch this brand and we can't get anybody to basically take us seriously. So this is Onyx as a company was founded in 2012 and we were trying to grow a wholesale coffee business. Um, and we just, you know, we're from Arkansas, which I think is amazing, but is sometimes it's not, hasn't always been, or maybe not even now known as like the cultural epicenter of North America. So, you know, we were trying to get people to sample our coffees and folks were just like, Oh, you're from Arkansas. Like we're good. Yeah. No, thanks. You know, I'm like, no, it's free. (laughs) Like we don't, we don't want to try it. So, you know, he was just, unfortunately, he's always right. I don't know what the deal is, but he's really smart. Um, But he was like, you know, he's like, it'd just be great if you could go and just win this because we really need to do something to put our company on the map. So Mm -hmm. when he explained it to me like that, I was like, okay, sure. I'll, I'll try it out. So I drove up to Minneapolis by myself because we couldn't both be gone at the same time. And I entered my first competition. I was 10 weeks pregnant with our first daughter that my major food aversion was coffee. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I did really bad. Um, I got next to last place, but really I just had no idea what I was doing. And the competition is, is like a TED talk. It's like you, you present something about the industry you serve three sets of coffee drinks that are scored based on your knowledge of them, your description of like what the person scoring you's experience is going to be with like flavor and mm-hmm. tactile and aroma and all this sort of stuff. And there's tons of rules and you have to really like play the rules to score points. And so I don't, I was like, I don't need the rules. I'm just going to score points however I want, but really you, you do need to play the rules. So So that was kind of like my intro. And I I just remember driving out of Minneapolis being like, I'm never going to do that again. (laughs) But then two weeks later, I just was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and I'm going to prove that I am not going to get next to last. And that sort of like just really started this like drive for me to keep going back until I won. So I basically between the year of 2014 and 20. Uh, 20 ended up placing second in the U S barista championship three times. I placed fifth one year while it was eight months pregnant with our second daughter. 
And then I finally won in, in 2020. So <laughs> if, if next to last place got your competition blood flowing, I'm, I'm sure fifth and a few seconds must have just sent you over the top. Oh my gosh. It really, really graded on me for real. I mean, it was like, it was, it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. I can be pretty competitive at times, but yeah. I get where you're going there. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Onyx. Let's do um, it. Talk about more about why you founded the company. And if you will talk about how y'all came to this idea of sourcing green coffee from the places where it's produced and about the process as well. Yeah. So we decided to found Onyx. As I mentioned earlier, we were running a different business, but mm -hmm. what we were doing in that business was really just like coffee service. We didn't, we weren't really doing a ton with actual coffee, meaning that we didn't really know a ton about the beans we were serving, nor were we really like showing the beans in brew methods that showcased like their potential. And so basically as we learned more about specialty coffee, we were kind of like, it'd be great if we could just sort of start over a little bit and kind of just do something different in coffee, not just for the area, but just in general in, in the, in North America. And so, so we really were just like, let's start, let's just kind of start over. So we rebranded our company as Onyx Coffee Lab and we were just basically trying to be like, Hey, we're doing something different. We are bringing in coffee from all over the world. That is exceptional. Mm -hmm. And so Kind of the key in that is that we have a really high standard for all of our green coffee that comes in, which is just like the name for the raw coffee. But it's not just like about standards. It's about like cultivating a really excellent product and then like showcasing it for, for what it is. Um, and so that sort of started this whole drive to source coffee directly from producers and basically for that what that what that means is we call it like relationship coffee and it just means that 70% of the coffees that we bring into the states and roast and sell we have visited the farm we exchanged funds directly with the producer so it didn't go through a middle party we just like hand over stacks of cash lol or <laughs> wire directly to the producer the goal is to that the producer doesn't lose all of these little like pieces along the supply chain. And then we take on the financial burden of bringing the coffee into the States. And so that kind of like, we set up that like criteria for ourselves. And really the goal was to give more of what the producers deserve to them. So when you buy from an importer, there's a price of coffee mm -hmm. and you pay that price, but that's not the price that the farmer farmer gets. And we kind of were like, Hey, what if we took that price at the end and just gave it straight to the producer? So that was like a little bit of like, just how we got started in that buying model. One of the fun things that we started doing as well is just like real time transparency. So basically you can go into our website and any coffee that we have, you can see basically all that I just explained to you. So the price we paid to the producer, what we scored the coffee at, which is hmm. a, an indicator of quality, what the commodity price in the market was at the time of purchase, what the fair trade price was, what we paid to bring it into the States, who we paid to bring it in. So we just started putting all that stuff on our website because we were like, we don't know. We, we were learning a lot about coffee when we decided to do that program, which was in 2017, mm -hmm. but 
we had to like scratch and claw and work hard to learn how to do all of that stuff because the coffee industry, especially in that time, but even now it's relatively secret secretive. Mm -hmm. So you can't just like learn certain kinds of things. There's no, not a lot of resources for them. There's no like formal education on how to be a coffee buyer. There's also no overarching body that like regulates coffee. There is no regulation in the coffee trade at all. Wow. So it's just like, it's, it literally, John always says it's the wild west. And so, you know, for us, we were like, we just want to show what we're doing to our customers whom are folks drinking coffee at home or in our coffee shop or wholesale clients buying from us. And so we just decided to start putting all the information out there so that people could learn more about specialty. Wow. I mean, it, there should be a whole like, maybe even series on the wild west of, of coffee. I, I can imagine yeah. <laughs> that we could do a whole episode more on we could. <laughs> the places you've had to go and, and, the, yeah. and to, to get to coffee, which would be yes. amazing to hear too. How has your vision for Onyx Coffee Lab changed along the way, if at all? I think the core values have stayed the same. So our core values are quality, transparency, excellence, and kindness. And so, you know, that's kind of like the spirit at which we started the company. I think that that has like molded and changed a lot over the years. I mean, the actual makeup of our company has grown and changed as well. So we, pre-pandemic, we were predominantly a wholesale coffee company. So 90% of the coffee we roast leaves the state of Arkansas at this point. And then um, we have, of course, our four retail locations here in Northwest Arkansas. But during the pandemic, we we did have an e-commerce program, but we never took it seriously at all until suddenly like all the cafes we roasted for were basically closed and mm. ourselves were very limited during the beginning of the pandemic for sure. And so during that whole time, basically our whole business pivoted to online sales to people at home who also maybe like went to coffee shops, but yeah. found themselves <laughs> trapped inside. And so, um, so that like has fundamentally shifted our business. So our e-commerce program has grown a ton. And so instead of wholesale being our leading program, now e-commerce is our leading program. So I think the vision is kind of the same, but the way the modalities in which it like flows out are, are changing over time. Got it. D does that then flow to, I guess, what's next for Onyx? Is there, is there anything new in the pipeline in terms of Onyx and new ventures? that you can tell yeah, us about. Yeah, there's a lot of new stuff happening right now. So my husband really is like the dreamer in in the company, but we are going to do a couple of more coffee shops in okay. Northwest Arkansas. So we we haven't like fully announced these yet, but like there are definitely like two more coming in the next cool. year or two. So buckle up folks and come visit us. Um <laughs> But yeah, that's happening. And then we're just, we're working on a goal to start roasting um, on a broader level. So one of our team members moved to Europe last year, sort of with the plan to kind of work on either like a small roastery in Europe or a small like coffee shop footprint in Europe. Oh, so like we're kind of playing with that idea and like, we're just, yeah, I don't know. We're just kind of like excited about the future and we're open to all kinds of fun ideas, but yeah, there's a lot happening. <laughs> that is really neat. I can't yeah. wait to see uh, how that develops. So Andrea, I hear since we can't make our own docu-series about, about uh, tracking down <laughs> coffee, 
I do hear that there's an award-winning docu-series yeah. <laughs> coming out soon called The Road to Milan. Yeah. How did that come about? And did you think you'd ever be in a docu-series and be thrust into stardom? Uh, and uh, <laughs> how does it feel to have that kind of focus on you? Oh my gosh, thank you. It feels really weird. I often feel like I am still a child trying to fake it and like <laughs> trying to convince people that I'm a professional person. So in this way, I feel really like just like a little, little shaky, a little uneasy about the docuseries. But no, I mean, basically in 2018, a woman I am dear friends with that runs Pacific Foods, which is part of the Campbell's family. And they, produ they produce what's called the Barista Series Alternative Plant-Based Beverages. So almond milk, oat milk, okay. all that sort of stuff. They're like a huge... Uh, piece of the specialty coffee industry. Basically in 2018, she, her name is Deb. She took an interest in coffee competitions and she hired these two filmmakers to start coming to coffee competitions and basically talking to the competitors about the stories of themselves as people and the producers that had grown their coffees. And so Basically, they did an interview with me in 2018 at the Denver qualifier. So to go to the barista competitions, you have to like make it through brackets of like qualifying competitions across the country that feed into the, the national competition. Nice. So I did a little interview with them there and she took interest in my, in my interview and basically just sort of like started sending these film people to talk to me at every competition. Um, and some of it is used for marketing assets and things like that. But over the years, we had no idea that I was going to keep doing it for years. I mean, that was like, I guess two years before I, I won, but then like it ended up being three years until I made it to the world competition. And so basically after the world competition, we realized that we had like tons and tons of just like interviews like they had been to Arkansas like four or five times and like followed me around during training and during like just regular work days and they went to Milan with us which is really cool in 2022 one of our teammates at Onyx won the U.S. barista competition nice. and went to Worlds as well so they went to both of those with us and so it was it just kind of got brought up last summer like hey we should put this together as like more of a film and like use pieces that we have been um, filming over the years. And so we started putting it together. And basically, I mean, it's mostly the filmmakers, but we kind of like watching pieces of it over time. And as we started to get towards the end of putting it together, it was sort of like, hey, this is, this is kind of a story. This is like a journey. There's like so much going on in this. And so we kind of just decided to start submitting it to film festivals. I know nothing yeah. about this world at all, but you know, the filmmakers were like, Hey, we could, let's just submit it and see what happens. And so it's been in two so far and it has won awards at both of them. And so, yeah, it's, it's wild. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Well, I hope you submitted a bit in the film fest. We did. And we're oh, really excellent. hoping to get in. So, too. so if you're out there listening say yes to us. They're neighbors in our building. I'll, I'll have to go down the hall and yeah. say, Hey, you better listen to this episode. Do um, it. <laughs> when does it come out? Just later in the fall. There's no release date right now. So apparently if it's in the film festival circuit, it can't be like being mm. shown. So 
just whenever that season is over, it'll come out somewhere, but wow. I don't know where <laughs> we don't know yet, but um, okay. they're, I think they're kind of like shopping it around, trying to figure out like where it's going to live. Yeah. Uh, well, Hey, Bentonville Film Fest, that means you've got one shot since one shot you're in the summer to see it. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> well, uh, are you going to have a watch party when it comes out? I, I wasn't planning to, but since you suggested it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, you've really pushed the boundaries and have done it from right here in Northwest Arkansas. Mm. Most of the stories on this podcast are focused almost squarely on Bentonville. Yeah. But I think this is more of a, this is really a Northwest Arkansas story. Yeah. A fully Northwest Arkansas story. And I want to address the audience for a moment because I think it's helpful for folks to understand what we really have going on here. When we say Northwest Arkansas, you can think of Northwest Arkansas as a mid-sized city and think of the towns as the neighborhoods. And really, you could take I-49 from Fayetteville, north to Springdale, to Lowell, on to Rogers, to Bentonville, then to Bella Vista, and you've made this sort of 35-ish minute trip, depending on how heavy your foot is, through places that are in their own right cities, but where the lines have started blurring between these cities and these cities are the neighborhoods. These towns are the neighborhoods that make up the Northwest Arkansas metropolitan area. And I think it's important for folks to sort of realize what's happening there because this place is so much bigger than any one of these towns, but then stories like yours happen, right? So will you talk about growing up in Springdale, going to school at the University of Arkansas, which is in Fayetteville. Yep setting up a headquarters in Rogers, mm -hmm. and then choosing four locations to put stores, including two here in Bentonville. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful to have been born in this area. So people outside the area are always like, how did you pick, Ar like, why did you pick Arkansas? Yeah. I'm like, I mean, I just was born there. So it's you. like, I'm just here. But yeah, I mean, my family roots go back away. So my great grandparents lived here in Lowell and my grandfather lived his whole life in Lowell as well and had orchards, did chicken and cattle farming. He sure. ran the farmer's co-op at one point. And so, I mean, we've been around here for a long time and yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that's super remarkable about the area is just the amount of like commerce that goes on in this area is, is incredible. So, I mean, when I was growing up in Springdale, like I, it felt like a really small town and, mm -hmm. and now it feels, it feels like all of the towns are sort of one. I mean, I, when I travel, I explain it, I'm like, well, I live in Springdale, but really I live in Northwest Arkansas, which is all of these incredible like communities mm -hmm. right together. And I don't know, it's just been, it's been a fascinating thing to watch it change over time. That's neat. I like, I like how you described it as sort of the center of commerce. Mm -hmm. uh, because, well, first of all, when you think just about Walmart and J.B. Hunt and Tyson, mm -hmm. gosh, they're feeding the world. They are. Right? Yeah. And the other part is you can place your business in Northwest Arkansas on the zip code that makes sense for your business. Mm -hmm. And then your people can choose the neighborhoods that they want to live in. I mm -hmm. think that's really neat. It really makes this, you know, a real city and community in that way. Will you talk about your two, well, let me ask you this first. Mm -hmm. How has Northwest Arkansas evolved over your lifetime? And if you want to specifically dive into Bentonville, I'd love to hear any of that too. So I, one of my memories of Bentonville, because I was mostly in Springdale, but I, mm -hmm. I mean, 
so much changed when I got, you know, my driver's license when I was 16, but <laughs> I just like have high, had high interest in the area. And so I would just drive around and look at the downtowns and just sort of, you know, go to parks and do all kinds of stuff. And I just remember the first time I remember driving through downtown Bentonville, it was like, you went over the, what the train tracks used to be down uh-huh. there. And I went over the train tracks and then and then I was out and I was like, wait, was that it? And then I, I drove down one of these, the streets downtown that has all of those really old, beautiful homes. And I was like, this is incredible. And I turned back around and went back through the square. And then I was out again and I was like, oh, wow. I thought it would be way bigger than that, you uh-huh. know? And so that's kind of my first memory of Bentonville. But, you know, I just remember when I heard about Crystal Bridges being built and I think, you know, I was like, oh, I guess that's cool. We'll have this like, little art museum. And then, you know, it becoming the, what feels like one of the greatest museums in the world. Like it's amazing. And just all of the different kinds of things that are here now in terms of businesses and, you know, restaurants and office buildings, parks and biking. And I mean, it just has changed incredibly. I, especially being, having a shop in downtown Bentonville on the square. I mean, the, people that come into that shop, it's, it's like fascinating people from all over the world. Mm. I have actually met some of my coffee industry heroes in our shop in Bittenville. Oh, that's neat. And they're here, you know, paying homage to Walmart. And, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, what are you doing here? You know? And so it's just incredible to have a place that so many people come to for work, for play, you know, just to experience what what we get to live in all the time here. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about your two Bentonville locations. Why did you choose those locations? Yeah. So part of our core vision for Onyx is to have a Onyx location in the downtown of the towns surrounding the area. Mm-hmm. And so we opened our downtown Bentonville location in 2015. And so we signed in to do that at the end of 2013. And really like the square was kind of getting worked on more buildings built, more businesses coming. Um, It wasn't quite as like dynamic, I think, as it is now, but we kind of saw all of the things that were were coming. And so we, we finagled a lease out of the the Waltons. (laughs) We were able to like get in there and that location is just amazing. I mean, just the amount of people walking around on there and the amount of people coming in and out. So I love that space. And then when the momentary performing arts facility was announced, we kind of were like, oh my gosh, it'd be so cool to have a location there. And so we kind of approached again and just knocked on the door and we're able to kind of get a little um, deal worked out with them. And so we have a location there as well. And yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah. It, that location is right behind our office. So I've spent a little time there. Yeah. I love going to the location Thanks. downtown too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. the Location in the momentary is really beautiful. So my yes. husband designs all of our spaces. And so if you go chronologically, you can see like his design developing. So oh. we have Fayetteville and then Bentonville is the second one that he designed. And then the Rogers headquarters is the third. And then the Onyx moment in the momentary was the fourth. And so you can see how you can see his sort of design growing yeah. and the cafe in the momentary won an architecture award. And so... We're really proud of that. That's neat. Well, might be a good time for me to go on a tangent because Let's I'm thinking <laughs> about 
my experiences at your location downtown. And I want the audience to really understand what it's like visiting there. I love visiting Onyx downtown. I go there pretty often. You know, it's right on the Bentonville Square. It's almost always packed out. Uh, there's this energy and, and happiness everywhere around you. And there's a real community meeting place feel to me. The art of the interior is really comforting. Your husband did a great job, great Thanks. symmetry, texture, <laughs> the location, if that makes sense. I love the people. I love that people always jump the opportunity to meet me there. Nobody says no to meeting at Onyx, right? And frankly, it's one of those places in Bentonville where if you sit for a few minutes, you're going to encounter this amazing array of people, coffee makers, <laughs> to uh, startup founders, to billionaires, to mountain bikers and tourists, to artists, to movie stars. Uh, it, it really is amazing the number of different folks and walks of life that come in there. You might also find me and my two-year-old boy having a cookie. <laughs> uh, but when you walk into Onyx on the Bentonville Square, you find people doing business, you find people doing life, and you find people like what I like to call living the life they deserve. And there's always someone there that I know and almost always somebody new that I meet uh, as well. So, you know, thinking about that, Andrea, you've built this wonderful community hub on the Bentonville Square. And so I've said the word so many times uh, just now, but I can see the love that y'all put into that place. Thank you so much. As we start winding down, will you tell me a story? And we'll make this a hashtag because Bentonville story. That is, it's a story or a moment that you look at it and you think maybe that could only happen here or it describes the essence of this place. Mm -hmm. This is probably not quite the story that you want to hear, but I mean, I think just hearing what you described from our cafe and all knowing all the different kinds of people that come in there, I just think about one of my team members there named Amber, and she's mm -hmm. been there since we opened the location. And I had a coffee friend in town and he comes in town like once a year and he called me and he said, I'm at your location. And your team member, Amber, remembered my name and remembered my drink from a year ago. And I, first of all, she's an exceptional human being, but it just, for me, that location and all of our locations are just made by the team that's in them. Like if you feel that warmth when you walk in there, you feel welcome or you feel like you can ask questions or, mm -hmm. or be silent because you're not super talkative that day. All of that is made possible by our team and their like work and hospitality in the space. And I actually think that that sort of thing is special to Bentonville because it's such a great place to do business. The cost of business, doing business is low. Mm -hmm. um, and we are able to spend investment on our team and their training and their professional growth and that combined with them bringing their own skills to the table creates a situation where you can meet anyone there. I always say coffee brings us together. And yeah. so it just is like, it has a, such a special place, not just in Bentonville, but like in coffee in general, people mm -hmm. come, pe coffee professionals come from all over the country to see the Bentonville location. And it's really special. That's really neat. A few more questions as we <laughs> wrap up. Yeah. Starting with this very important one. 
if somebody wants to learn more about Onyx Coffee mm-hmm. Lab or reach you, how do they do that? You can learn all about us on our website, onyxcoffeelab.com. And if you send an inquiry there for me, they'll send it to, to me. But I'm cool. also on Instagram, Andrea Arkansbro. It's like espresso and <laughs> Arkansas sandwich together. Yeah. So you can reach out to me there too. That's cool. <laughs> okay. As we start running out of time here, these last few questions are, they, they range from random to advice questions yeah. or depending on who's listening, they could both, they could qualify as both. What's the most unusual request you've ever received from a customer? Oh, hands down. I had this lady come in and ask if I would just put whipped cream in her hand. (laughs) And I, for me, when those things happen, I'm like, I want to know what happens when I say yes. So I said, (laughs) absolutely. And I did. And I gave it to her and she walked outside and she gave it to her dog. Oh, which, you know, wasn't like, you know, it wasn't radical, but I think it was more just that she wanted me to just put it directly in her hand. And I was like, sure. <laughs> neat. Well, what's your favorite coffee bean and why? I love washed coffees from Ethiopia. There's just nothing like that particular coffee. I mean, it has this incredible like sweetness, florals, just like really delicate, incredible flavors to it that and, and, you know, that's, that's like more of a category of coffee, but that coffee is like kind of how I fell in love with coffee. Oh, neat. Yeah. Well, okay. So eight and four for your kids, right? Yeah. One is one a year too young to drink coffee. I mean, did the eight-year-old start at five and is the four-year-old going to start going Yeah, to start you're never too young to start drinking coffee. Cool. So I think they both kind of had their first sip of coffee at two or three. And they drink coffee sometimes. It's not like a regular, Mm -hmm. I don't regularly give it to them, but if they ask for it in the morning, I'll just put a little splash of milk in it and give it to them. But they both love cappuccinos. So just espresso and a little bit of steamed milk. (laughs) Okay, I have to ask this question because it was a topic of debate the other day. What's the difference in a cappuccino? The size. Yeah, so. There we go. Oh, there's so many interpretations of this, but a latte is generally just like a, 12 ounce size, which is this cup right here or larger. It's espresso and steamed milk. A cappuccino is traditionally like a six or eight ounce beverage, espresso and steamed milk. In the old school tradition, cappuccinos had more foam, but at Onyx, we steam all of our milk the same. So it's really just the size. Oh, neat. (laughs) Okay. What's your uh, go-to passion outside of coffee? Oh, horses. Absolutely. (laughs) I figured that's where we were going here. Um, Any other passions outside of horses? I mean, I love hanging out with my kids, but I I like running and I've recently gotten into like lifting weights. I'm not necessarily like a strong person, but I enjoy it. So, yeah. Oh, very cool. What advice do you have for folks who are struggling to build a business and maybe they're pushing the boundaries themselves? How do they stay on course? This is a tough question to answer. So, I mean... Two thoughts, but the first one is just that you have to work hard to build something. So, you know, I think sometimes there's to really, you really make something special. You have to pour a lot of yourself into it. And I think in some ways that's really cool. In some ways that's really hard. And I think if you're building something, you know, you already know, or you should know that that's going to be required. But the second part is like to not reinvent the wheel. Mm. So, you know, there's, there are things that, you probably started a business because you saw a window that you thought you could fill in an exceptional way. 
And that probably highlights your skill sets, your passions, your dreams. But there's other parts of that business that you probably aren't super great at. So things like accounting, <laughs> unless you're an accountant out there. But don't, don't do new accounting. Yeah, like, unless, you know, there's things like accounting, there's things like marketing, there's things like, you know, repairs of the building. And so it's just like sometimes as an entrepreneur, especially in the beginning, you're like, I have to do everything myself. And sometimes you do, but sometimes I encourage people to like, Hey, try to be in the lane that you're really good at. And like, there are people that are professionals in these other spaces and like, try to get help with those so that you can spend more time doing the thing you're really good at. That is sage advice. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing like spending your time doing stuff you hate yes. um, and stuff that can make you go to jail. It's just true. <laughs> when we first started Onyx, we did everything. So I learned how to pay taxes and mm. pay payroll and did all of the stuff. And it made sense for years and years. And then finally, it was like, it doesn't make sense for me to do this anymore. So I'm grateful for all you accountants and folks out there that make it where people can run businesses legally. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. I've got one last question. Okay. What's something that I did not ask you that I should have asked? Wow. What a question. Hmm. How long is too long to, for silence? <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Is, I'm just saying like right now, yeah. like how long can I just be silent without uh, being we weird? We had somebody who went 14 seconds. We may have edited that one <laughs> to cut some out. <laughs> You're like, say anything. No, I mean, I think, I think you really asked me everything. I mean, something I usually ask people when I'm interviewing them is like, what's the motivation behind what you do? Because I think that says a lot about people. And yeah. I kind of mentioned some of this earlier, but like it really is, people that I love and it really is like growing connections and community and just like encouraging people that is kind of like the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning. And so, yeah, I think really it's that. And I, I think that my thoughts in this area are just to like find something to do that, that you really love doing. And I think like, it's not necessarily that I do love the coffee industry and I do love the beverage, but it's really just like the people part of it that really motivates me. Lovely. I love that. Andrea, thank you so much <laughs> for spending time with me and the Bentonville Beacon audience today. Thanks for keeping me caffeinated. Yeah. For keeping Bentonville caffeinated in Northwest Arkansas and for, to you and John for creating those beautiful shops and for bringing together the people, the community of Bentonville and of Northwest Arkansas to really help us live our best lives. Thank you for having me. You bet. Well, thanks to our Bentonville Beacon audience. To build on this show its success, I'd love it if you could share this episode and others with your uh, friends and colleagues anywhere in the world. And keep coming back to hear or watch more of our episodes, to hear more about Bentonville and its leaders who are sparking the rise of this place in Northwest Arkansas, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Go ahead and hit subscribe if you're listening on your favorite podcast player, but you can check out all of our episodes at BentonvilleBeacon.com. Thanks, we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast. We hope to see you next week.